Hey there, you're listening to the Aligned Women Podcast, the original podcast for women in chiropractic. If doing all the things you were told to do to grow your practice have left you overwhelmed and exhausted, you're in the right place. I'm Dr. Danielle Eaton, the founder of Aligned Women. We help women in chiropractic who are just like you to grow profitable practices without sacrificing being present with your family. If you're done with spinal screenings and health fears, want more time freedom, more money in your bank account, and a practice that you love without sacrificing your health, be sure to grab the Aligned Chiropractors Survival Guide at AlignedChiroSurvivalGuide.com. Now, sit back, take a deep breath, and enjoy today's episode. Hey there, welcome to episode 160 of the Aligned Women Podcast. In today's episode, I'm bringing you a new guest to the show. Her name is Steph Godro. Steph and I have known each other since around 2015 when we both started our first podcast. Steph is a nutritional therapy and strength training expert who helps people all around the world find a more nourishing approach to food and fitness. This is part of the reason why I wanted to bring her on the show today because as people who work in the health and wellness space, we're often trying to help our clients or our patients eat healthier. Steph's approach and perspective to what eating healthy is, is different than the traditional or conventional approach. In Steph's best-selling book, The Core Four, she details a four-pillar approach to building health, embracing your body, and owning your power. Steph is trained in biology and human physiology. She is a nutritional therapy practitioner, a certified intuitive eating counselor, and a USA weightlifting and sports performance coach. Her weekly podcast, the Listen to Your Body podcast has over 3 million downloads, and she has over 195,000 followers on Instagram. So Steph has been around for a while. She'll share more with you in this episode on how long she's been in the online space and what brought her there. But for now, I want to let you know a couple of reasons why I asked her to be on this show. Steph recently shared a post on Instagram that she later sent out to her email list, which was when I saw it, that had a lot of reactions in her community. And in this post, Steph basically just took a screenshot of a video that she had recorded of herself doing a workout and then shared one concise, precise thought about that screenshot and people really resonated with it. You'll hear Steph and I talk today about how we go about sharing our message and putting our work out there while we also sometimes feel afraid to do that. In other cases, we feel afraid all the time to do that. Here's the second reason why I asked Steph to be on, to be on the show today. On her website, she says, I believe women have the right to be strong and take up space because the world needs your voice now more than ever. And I know that Steph wrote that before the last 12 to 14 weeks. But wow, if you're in the health, wellness, healing space, yes, the world needs your voice now more than ever. It's like even more true. So I'm really excited for you to get to know Steph in this episode today. At the end, she shares with you where to go to find out more about her. If you'd like to follow her on Instagram or check out her website, you can find her. She's Steph Godreau on Instagram. I think there's an underscore in between her first and last name. And her website is stephgodro.com. You can check the show notes for links to those places to connect with her. All right. So 
let's just go ahead and dive into this episode with Steph Godro today. Welcome, everyone. I am here today with Steph Godro. If you don't know Steph Godro, I don't know, you might be living under a rock, but <laughs> Steph is a two-time author, if I'm not mistaken, maybe two books, yes? Mm-hmm. And she is the host of what was formerly the Harder to Kill podcast, Harder to Kill Radio, which has recently transitioned to the Love Your Body podcast. Do I have the name right? Listen to Your Body podcast. Listen, listen to Your Body podcast. Yes, thank <laughs> you. I knew something felt funny about what I said. So Steph is here with me today to talk about all kinds of things. We're going to talk about mostly working through the fear of putting yourself out there, especially in the online space. So Steph, before we dive into that, I would love for you to share more about who you are and what you do now. And we'll talk a bit about how you got to where you are now as well. Sure. So right now my work is currently focusing on helping primarily women who would identify as perfectionistic, you know, self-identify as perfectionistic, all or nothing thinkers to eat more intuitively, find more peace and ease with food and their body. So I do a lot of work around intuitive eating, body image stuff, and really just diving into the reasons why women are so hard on themselves really, and how we can find a more peaceful way of eating that's more sustainable for us instead of the dieting extremes and, you know, the lifestyle extremes that people often fall under. So I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner. That's kind of the uh, functional side of my training. And then I'm also an intuitive eating counselor. So I kind of merge the both, the best of both worlds together and really help people find more peace. Was there a specific training program that you went through to give you those credentials or is it really like coming through you intuitively? So, <laughs> yeah, so um, on the technical side of things, I did get certified with Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. They have a certification program for professionals and practitioners and lay people alike. And my nutritional therapy practitioner designation was the kind of gateway for me to become that certified intuitive eating counselor. And I'm also a very highly intuitive person, you know, aside from the intuitive eating credential and certification, I use my intuition with people a lot. So I'm also really interested in things like energy work and, you know, mental, emotional health and spiritual stuff. And so I kind of bring in pieces of all of that together. Mm -hmm. And I think I first encountered you, I was thinking about this today through she podcast, maybe it was like 2015, probably when you were starting your podcasts. And when I was starting my first podcast, I don't remember exactly where we first connected, but it's been that long ago. And I have watched you quietly grow through what I have seen you share and talk about through social media during that time. You haven't always talked about intuitive eating. (laughs) You haven't always talked about, I mean, in some ways, yes, but to the extent that you do now and in the voice that you have around it now, embracing the body that you live in, actually embodying it and embracing it. So can you talk more about how you got to where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. My first career was as a high school chemistry and biology teacher. So I taught at the secondary high school level for 12 years. And that was my first job right out of college. (laughs) I mean, I was 21 and some of the kids I was teaching, they were 18. So it was crazy (laughs) to say the least. And although I think, you know, one of my sole purposes on this planet is to be a teacher, the walls of the classroom were inevitably like not the place where I felt 
the most comfortable making change. I still love teenagers talking to kids, um, stuff like that. But I just felt really called to move into a different direction. In about 2010, I started my food blog. So I've been blogging since like 2008, 2009, which is crazy. But I started a food blog and I started eating more along the lines of a paleo template. It really helped to get me out of what I would consider traditional diet culture, which was Weight Watchers, calorie counting, mm-hmm. stepping on the scale every five minutes. I mean, that whole world. And yeah. while it was a great transition for me, ultimately I started to slowly realize over the years that even though I was eat, I was living more of a what I would call a lifestyle, I still carried a lot of the baggage from diet culture into a paleo way of eating. And there was still a lot for me to heal on an inner level with regards to things like perfectionism with all or nothing thinking. This is why I work with the people that I work with, but really to understand the deeper reasons for why some of those beliefs and behaviors continue. So anyway, in in 2013, I had this part-time blog, I was growing it, it was growing. And I finally decided to take a leap of faith and start to do this full-time. So I took my you know, part-time hobby blog and a leave of absence from my teaching job. And I said, okay, I have a year to do this. And I just jumped in and here we are. And it's almost seven years to the day that I walked out of the classroom. And now I kind of consider that the online space is, is my classroom. And that's really where I help people. But over the years, and you know, in 2015, when I think it was she podcast is where we found each other. I was just starting my podcast and you know, I was really kind of into that, you know, I was really into performance and performance nutrition and eating along the lines of paleo, even though I felt like I kept having to justify things to people of like, well, it, it is personal on, a, you know, what we decide to eat and the foods we're going to include in our routine and things like that. But over the years, again, started to realize that there was so much more underneath that, you know, I had pretty deep seated fears around certain foods I had some behaviors I was doing because of elimination diets I had done, which were probably really well-meaning, but there was just still stuff under that, you know, and even levels of realizing my own internalized fat phobia. Why was I so afraid of getting bigger? You know, and we talk about taking up space and things like that, but it's not just about the physical. So I really started to get curious about all of the different ways in which these things interacted and, and intersected and overlapped. And I'm a really holistic thinker as it is. So for me to kind of be able to merge these different worlds together, because what I was seeing was the people that had been with me since the beginning of Stupid Easy Paleo, a lot of them were like, I know what to eat, but why am I not eating it? Or uh, why do I keep, you know, falling on and off? I get, I get on the wagon and I fall off the wagon. I get on the wagon and I fall off the wagon. And I really, it was really interesting to me. Why are so many people struggling with their relationship with food? And so that really catalyzed me into this new direction and being able to serve people at that different intersection of food and our relationship to it and our own self-beliefs and things like that. I'm really glad that you shared how long ago you started your blog. If someone goes to your Instagram right now and sees you have 195,000 followers, they'll be like, oh my gosh, like, how did she do this in seven years? Well, it's actually been even longer than seven years, right? And so your beginning was actually before the beginning (laughs) in regards to like when you left your teaching job and essentially went all in with building your brand, if you want to call it that. You know, also too, I'm, I'm a really big proponent of not getting 
too hung up in those numbers. And when I said 195,000, you kind of looked surprised, like maybe you weren't even aware that you have that many followers on Instagram, (laughs) but being okay with where you are, starting with where you are, like we don't start with 195,000 followers. We start at zero (laughs) and we grow from there. And you've been really consistent and you've continued to show up. And what you've talked about then is not what you talk about now in the same way. So I just want to remind people that might be watching or listening to this, that what you see in front of you right now, or what you hear in front of you right now is not where you started. You started where you started, which was different. And yeah, I just want to give more people permission to do that. Like just start where you are. If you've got something in your heart to share, you don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to know how it's all going to play out. Just start Mm -hmm. and be consistent and keep going. Yeah. I think my eyebrow raise there was um, a remembrance for me that actually in the last two years, I've lost 50,000 followers on Instagram. I I shouldn't say lost as my message has shifted my community in terms of the total number of people that have followed me has gone down. And I think that's really important to be transparent about and mention because it's not something that I took as a failure. And although there is a bit of a you know, in business, we're like, the numbers should be growing, we should be increasing, we should be expanding. And that's not always the case. And sometimes it is a matter of getting more targeted in who you're serving your communication to that specific audience that, you know, for me, I had a lot of people that were following me for free recipes. And when I started talking more about body image issues, body neutrality, intuitive eating, and so on and so forth, there were a lot of people that were like, cool, this isn't really what I'm interested in anymore. And that that's okay. There, there may be ups and downs, but not to let those shifts in followers or subscribers or whatever it is define you and, and sort of deflate you and take you out of what it is you are there to share and serve about. That's so perfect. Because that's exactly the point that I was trying to express. Yeah. It's just when you share those numbers, like looking at it from the opposite perspective, if you will, having your followers decrease is, yeah, just what you said. It's not what we would normally be thinking of business growth. (laughs) And yet you're okay. (laughs) Your business is probably also okay. And in some ways it might even be better. Yeah. Okay. So on the note of Instagram, you wrote a post recently that you shared on Instagram and then sent it to your email subscribers. And that's where I initially saw it. And as you talked about it, I was like, what's this controversy? What is she talking about? So I went over to Instagram and looked at it and I was like, this doesn't seem like a big deal to me. And yet there are almost 10,000 reactions to this post that you wrote. So Tell us more about the post itself, and then we can talk a bit more about the meaning behind it, if you will. <laughs> sure. Yeah, the post is actually, um, I've done a couple posts like this in the past, and, and it always just kind of resonates with people. But it was just, you know, me working out in my yard, and I was taking a video and then took a screenshot of it and posted it. And I was like, cellulite, we all have it. Most of us, I shouldn't say we all, most of us have it. The vast majority of us have it yet. We feel like it is something that is so wrong with us. There's a whole industry around eradicating it. And truly the deeper meaning of that post was that it causes people to not want to show up as they are. And 
the part that I didn't mention in the post that I just want to touch on here really briefly is that I have a lot of privilege because I am in a smaller body to post my cellulite and have people think you're brave. Whereas if someone in a much larger body than myself were to post it, they might not be afforded the same generosity with people's comments. Right. So I just want to say that first and foremost, like it's oftentimes lauded and praised as something brave or courageous to put yourself out there and like show all of your bumpy parts and your stretch marks and your imperfections. But the reaction is often not the same across the board, depending on what kind of body you're in. So I just wanted to mention that first and foremost, but every time I post something like this, it's amazing to see how many people think or say that they don't see it very often. You know, it's still not the most common thing. There are different retailers and companies who are putting unretouched bodies out there and, and of much wider diverse bodies in terms of size, color, ability, age, and so on out into the press. And that can help over time to kind of shift our belief that we're not the only one, that we're not bad or damaged. And I think it gives a lot of people that permission to feel like, okay, I don't need to, you know, we have kind of a slogan in my community, which is called wear the shorts. And it's not so much like, I want people to feel comfortable in their bodies. And it's not the gold standard, you know, you don't have to wear a bikini to be confident in your body, for example. And if shorts don't work for you because you're about to go out for a three mile run and (laughs) you don't want your legs to chafe together and hurt, that's totally fine. But it's more of a reclamation of, you know, if you have bumps, if you have cellulite, if your body's not perfect, because it's only like 5% of people that have the traditional kind of model type of a body that that's okay. And you deserve to be comfortable in terms of not head to toe covered in the middle of the summer, for example, so your body can function as it normally would. So there's just a lot that to unpack under all of that, but it's really just a reminder that bodies come in all shapes and sizes and that's totally okay. And you're worthy and valuable no matter what your body looks like. And even just hearing that for the first time is a little bit earth shaking for some people. And I remember back when I was really fixated on getting as skinny as I could be and losing all the weight I possibly could. And it's just like, day in, day out preoccupation, right. Of getting on the scale. It didn't say what I thought I want, you know, what I thought it should say or what I wanted it to say. And it would wreck my day or wreck my week. And then I would make it mean something about me. And it really did keep me from doing other things in my life, putting my time and energy into things I really cared about. You know, it was like this self-objectification is what it's called in psychology, where there's such an intense focus on how you think other people view you. And certainly that can be related to all sorts of things, you know, the intersections of your identities and so on and so forth, as I mentioned earlier, but it really is just this idea that there's a lot of pain underneath that. There's a lot that needs to be unpacked. And yet putting a post out there can oftentimes be that very first step to people thinking, well, if she can do it, I can do it too. And going from there. As an observer, it seems, I'm delicate about using this word, but it seems easy to me for you to take a video of you working out and then screenshot the video and share it on social media and have 10,000 people see it or more, really, it was more than that because not everyone that saw it reacted to it, right? Has it always felt easy for you to be able to do that? No. (laughs) 
Um, well, first of all, does it feel easy now? Because I'm assuming that it feels easy for you. You know, there are, so I spend a lot of time talking about and advocating for body neutrality, which is the state kind of in the middle. So I, I really believe, you know, a lot of people think that body confidence is like two sides of a coin. You either have it or you don't, you're highly confident or you're not confident. And that dynamic that either, or can be really deflating for people. Cause they think I really hate my body and I'm supposed to just love it. Like people almost feel like they're gaslighting themselves, right? I'm just supposed to say positive affirmations and just love every part of me. And what I began to discover over the years is there is kind of a middle space. There is that gray area. It's not the two sides of a coin. It's more of a spectrum insofar as you can kind of be in the middle, which is I'm not overly loving on my body all the time or positively obsessing about my body and everything about myself that I love, love, love. Neither am I in the space where I'm predominantly in a, you know, that negative self-talk frame of mind. There is this middle ground, which is I can respect my body for what it does for me. I can nurture it and nourish it on a very basic self-care level and not be preoccupied with thoughts of positive or negative, And I can just be, and I think for a lot of people that revelation that there is a middle space is quite shocking because they've never considered that they could just kind of be in that space. I preface all of this because most of the time I'm in a neutral space. Most of the time, I think when you've gone through and you are continue to unpack and heal from the intergenerational lineage, body image stuff that you're dealing with the body image stuff and the, um, the diet culture stuff you may be experiencing because of the way you pre- you are presenting to the world, right? If you're a person of color, if you're a person in a very large body, if, if you're a person who is differently abled, for example, unpacking that takes time and it's a work in progress. And so sometimes I am in that space again, where I'm like having a negative thought about my body. And sometimes usually around <laughs> ovulation, I'm like, look at me. I look amazing. I love it. And I say, I would say those two extremes are like 10% and 10% of the time. And about 80% of the time, I'm kind of in the middle. I'm taking care of myself, but I'm not overly thinking about my body in either direction. So I want to be very clear and honest that even though I might put a picture of me out there, it doesn't mean I never have that thought cross my mind about what are people going to think about me because... I'm supposed to be, you know, I'm in the health space. I am a nutritional therapist. They're going to assume that I, I should have a certain type of body. And you can imagine the level to which people in much larger bodies, for example, who are fitness professionals or nutrition professionals get judged. So the judgment placed on me is much different than somebody else might experience. But yeah, like sometimes I put pictures up and I'm thinking, is this, you know, how is this going to come across to people? And Ultimately, at the end of the day, I make the decision in that moment to post it anyway, because what I have to say about it will hopefully trigger that light bulb moment for someone else, right? It's no longer just about me personally. It's about what I have to offer the community. It's about what is the point of this post? You know, what is the point of this post? Is it just for me to show off my body or is there a deeper lesson here? And it doesn't need to be the most profound thing you can talk about really important issues in a very short space of text, for example, or with the image that you decide to use. But if I make it about me all the time, and I'm kind of in that moment of self-objectification where I'm thinking, what are people going to think about me? What are people assuming about me when they're looking at me? If I let that win, 
then who am I doing a disservice to in my audience? And that's ultimately, you know, I think I really live by the motto. I don't think you have to be fearless in everything that you do. I think that's pretty unreasonable. I think that's akin to saying, I love my body all the time. Like I'm fearless about everything. It's can I feel the fear, acknowledge the fear, assess the risk. And then I have the choice of doing it anyway, or maybe the risk is too high or the fear is too great. And I'm in a state of like all out panic and anxiety. And I decide right now is not the right time for me with this. But I think more often than not, I do realize I might feel afraid about this or unsure. And it's just whatever past programming is coming through saying, Hey, is this really safe for you to do? And acknowledging that and then saying, you know what, I can be afraid and I can still move forward. I can be unsure and still take action. I can be not a hundred percent confident and share things with my audience. And I think that's kind of, you know, the, the whole take home message is that for women that are thinking that they're not enough, they're not good enough. They're not thin enough. They're not smart enough. They're not experienced enough. Like there is something that someone out there you have to share with them. And by you not sharing, you're actually holding back from your people. And I think that that is really powerful when you realize that not that you're harming people, but you, there could be something that is going to be that one thing. I got a message from a gal yesterday and she said, you know, there's some posts you made and I follow you. And literally like that is the reason why I decided to pursue nutrition and helping other people with fertility. And I just thought, what if I had never, you know, what if I got really scared about posting that thing and I didn't do it? And our human brains are wired to avoid negativity. We have negativity bias, right? We're why this our brains are wired to avoid scary things. So it takes that awareness and that conscious effort sometimes, but who could benefit from what you have to say? And by you playing small in that way, you're not able to share those gifts with people. Well, as I'm listening to what you're, what you're saying, what I heard you say was what I try to say to people very often. And you said it in a much more eloquent and kind way than what I say it in, which is like, I don't know how to tell you how to overcome the fear of putting yourself out there. What I know is that when you signed up to be a business owner, you signed up for all the responsibilities. And even if you're not marketing your business, by not marketing your business, you're still sending a message. So then you've got to choose like what message do you want to send? But what I usually tell people when they're asking me, how do I overcome the fear? is like, you just feel the fear and you do it anyway but that doesn't really help people take action and move forward and create the change that they want to make. For a lot of people, I'm assuming that this is the case for personal trainers, chiropractors, whatever kind of profession, whether it's hands-on or not, if you went into a health wellness type of profession and you wanted to do this because you wanted to help people, you probably thought, I just want to help people. I don't want to market to them. I don't want to um, have to be on social media, but I'm learning to look at the vulnerability that I'm willing to display like on social media as a way that is helping people. Because just like what you said, when you shared something that helped someone see that she could change careers maybe and go into a new training program that maybe she thought before just seemed like a crazy idea. That was really helpful to her. There was 
a certain amount of courage from you that it took for that exchange to happen. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a delicate thing because just having someone be in your face and tell you, you just do it anyway. Mm-hmm. doesn't really help you change what's inside of you. <laughs> that's yeah. like what's going on. That's really making you feel afraid of what other people will think about you. Yeah. And I mean, obviously there's a ton there. I mean, it could be anything from like unresolved past trauma to just a really bad experience that you've had recently. I think one of the things I would say to that is like, if something feels too raw and real for you, you know, I think there's this misunderstanding that vulnerability means sharing like every deep, dark part of who you are with complete strangers. Yeah. And, you know, I'm kind of of the, of the idea that if something like I haven't processed something yet, it's not something I'm going to give to my audience to process on their own for me. That's just me personally. I think there are ways to be real and to share who you are without giving away things that are too personal, too unresolved, too private. And that's up to the individual person to decide for them. I don't think everybody, you know, if it doesn't feel right or aligned for you to share, you know, parts of your body or certain topics, I think that's totally fine. But what I will say, and you were talking about business owners and practitioners and things like that, look, very few people who are listening to this are probably like, I work for the target of physical therapy, for example, you know, they're probably working in small practices. It might be a cell phone business, whatever it is. And ultimately at the end of the day, people want to know who you are. They want to work with you. They want a connection. And especially if they're going to you for some kind of body work, manipulation, hands-on treatment, like that trust is so, so important. So maybe you're not showing pictures of your stomach or your cellulite near your butt. And that's fine. (laughs) You're not even putting your face out there or your voice in some way, shape or form. Start with that and start to, and people always ask me, well, how do I find my voice? And I, I say, you start talking, you're going to find your voice, but you've got to practice it. Yes. Everybody hates the way they sound on video or on audio. When they first hear it, you just got to keep going, right? It's not going to be perfect. And I think one of the most helpful things I ever heard in terms of like, what's in your comfort zone and what's not is from Rhonda Britton. And she talked about these different zones, right? You have your comfort zone and comfort zones, not bad, right? Our comfort zone is our place of safety. We can get stagnant there though, right? We can kind of hide out there too. And we have to be honest with ourselves about that. The next zone is called the stretch zone. And that's kind of like the thing is, you know, you can do, but you've kind of been putting off. And when you are able to pick something in that stretch zone, then your comfort zone grows. You're like, okay, I did that thing. And I stretched a little bit and now my comfort zone is expanded and I have more confidence that I can do this. The next zone I think is called the risk zone, according to her model which is, you know, the things are like, oh, that's kind of scary, but you know, maybe in time I'll get there. And then the zone on the outside of it is called die, (laughs) which is like the things that are so (laughs) terrifying to you that you're like, I can't, like, I just can't, I can't like for me, slack lining over the grand Canyon would be a die. Absolutely not. I'm terrified of heights. So (laughs) so I think being honest with yourself about, you know, what are things that I could do that are probably a stretch and I'm making them out to be a die, but they're really not. And how can I get myself going. And I think that stepwise process for people can make it seem a little bit less scary. Maybe for you, yeah, putting a picture of your butt cellulite on Instagram is going to be a die, but putting 
a professional headshot of you, maybe you're working with a client, or maybe it's just a picture of you in your natural environment. Maybe that feels like a stretch, but that's doable. And it's more than you're doing right now. So I think that that system can be really helpful for when people are assessing the kind of content they want to put out there. Yeah. I love that. Finding your voice and just doing it and getting started and then being consistent. I've been relating it recently to working out. You're not going to have the perfect deadlift the first time you deadlift. You're not going to have the perfect deadlift the 100th time you deadlift. And you're always going to be learning about your body. And there's going to be times that you're going to need to deadlift differently to accommodate to things that are going on with and to and for your body. And so I just think of it that way. Like if you just start with something, you're going to need to keep going. But as you keep going, that's where like you refine your art with it, which is really brings us full circle. It's really what you've done over the last decade, essentially (laughs) you started, you kept going and your voice has refined and it's grown with you as well. And so your audience has shifted and what you talk about has shifted and what's important to you has shifted. Like I can see that in, in what you share and the things that you talk about now and our culture has shifted as well. I mean, it shifted in a big way, just like what, 10 weeks ago. So it's going to continue to evolve again and again and again. And we've just got to let it be okay. That's like, we're, we're on the journey. We're not supposed to arrive Yes. <laughs> yeah. I actually did a whole podcast episode about like the false promise that we have about arrival. We think we're going to arrive and then we get to stop living and, you know, doing the things we would normally do or that that means the end. And it's not, it's not how it works. <laughs> awesome. Well, Steph, thank you so much for everything that you've shared today. If someone that's listening would like to connect with you and learn more about you, where is the best place for her to go? Probably my website, which is stephgodro.com, or you can also find my podcast, Listen to Your Body Podcast, on anywhere you can find podcasts. Yeah, anywhere you can find podcasts. For <laughs> sure. yeah. Awesome. Thank you again so much for being with me today. Thank you. Thank you again for joining me for this episode of the Aligned Women Podcast. If you love this show, please share your favorite episode with another woman in chiropractic. Think of your classmates and the woman who practice near you. Is there one who you know is tired, overwhelmed, exhausted, or just burned out? If so, let her know about the Aligned Women podcast right away. And if you love what you hear on this show and want more insight into Aligned Women's proven method for women in chiropractic on how you can have more time freedom and more financial freedom, how you can build a practice full of the right patients, not just more of them, and how you can feel confident that you're making the impact you were born to make as a chiropractor. Be sure to grab the Aligned Chiropractors Survival Guide at alignedchirosurvivalguide.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.